I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest Hello and welcome back to the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lauren Stonigan. I was traveling last week, so we didn't have a podcast, but we're back on this week. And I am joined, as always, by my good pal and co-host, Mr. Jeff Shackelford. Jack, how you doing, pal? Well, that, I'm well. It's admirable of you to take the blame for, for the week being off, although I was a little bit uh, in my post-Masters uh, haze. Uh, not as bad as is in the past, I, despite the, the nine ice cream sandwiches. I uh, I made sure I got a good amount of sleep every night. Of course, I stayed to the media center and I literally went went back to my Airbnb and crashed. So uh, it was a it was a great week. So uh, I uh, I would have I could have done a pod if I had to. Um, I was in uh, Florida with uh, the the young lad. He was playing in the Terracotta Invitational, great tournament. So I want to give a bit of hat tip to them. Uh, was won by oh my god, Quentin Debove. Congratulations to Quentin Debove, who is a junior at Florida. Great golf course. Do you, do you know much about the golf course? Um, I don't. No, I do know they they uh, they opened with uh, some rather aggressive uh, waste areas that I think have been switched out. I think they had some form of a shell that. As I recall, they were quite proud of. Uh, I remember reading at the time and thinking, "Hmm, <laughs> that's that's not much fun to hit off of." And I guess uh, did, did I hear correctly that the waste areas are uh, quite uh, forgiving now? Yeah, they are. Well, actually, this is quite interesting. I bit of a detour to Jeff. I think it's one of the oh, huge. Well, well, when has that ever stopped us? <laughs> the uh, one of the huge changes in modern golf, I think, is the fairway bunker and these waste areas. Essentially. Uh, you know, I know Niall, he he, he just played the, the, the waste areas as fairway. Everybody just hits the ball so well now that they're really not, really wasn't a penalty whatsoever. So kind of a waste, I guess. A waste to, of a waste area? Oh, yeah, well, I guess they don't have to grow grass here, but they still have to look after the sand that's in there. Uh, anyway. Um, well, they don't have to. It's just that the modern golfer is yeah. pampered and expects to be able to uh, hit every shot and get a clean lie and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, which, as so, we saw with Scotty Scheffler last week, uh, oh. wanting wanting somebody on the maintenance crew fined. I I, I mean, multiple people said he's they heard fined. Of course, the video has been taken down now by the tour. <laughs> I, I, I am sure. I, actually, that's you know, nice guy Scotty Scheffler. I, I guess that's um, that gave a slight lot. I, I don't know Scotty Scheffler. I'm sure he is a lovely guy, but that he didn't sound or he didn't come across as a lovely guy. In, in he, that video. he looks he looks like. And this is the problem with kind of where we're at in the game. He he really looks like somebody who needs a couple of weeks off. Uh, yeah, he was he was not kind to his uh, coaches down at Augusta, and people were noting that. Uh, I mean, not not you know, he wasn't pulling out a whip and hitting him, but there were there were a lot of uh, uh, verbal uh, and and lively conversations and animated conversations, and 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 the the tone was changing, and people were noting it and. Uh, I don't, I, I, I just think he's, I've got to think he's a little bit tired and a, and a lot of these guys were a little bit tired and not that that excuses, uh, bitching about bunker sand like that, but this is the danger of kind of where we're at and designated events and requiring people to play and, uh, all that stuff that you're going to have some guys. Uh, I mean, I thought they put on an amazing show at Harbor town, knowing how many people were kind of on fumes. Yeah. Uh, because they just have to be, and uh, they've played a lot of intense golf the last few months. So I'm not oh. totally excusing him, but I, I do think that he's probably a little cranky right now and needs a real long nap. 
the uh before we get uh we're going to come on to all of that but before we get there it's a a, a very big day in McKellar world uh we launched uh, a new issue today Jeff number seven uh you can get it now at mckellarmagazine.com it's uh, for pre-order it will go off to the printers next Monday and I think from there it'll take a uh, couple of weeks which is pr pretty fast um I don't know where to start with, uh, other than to say it's a fantastic uh, magazine. There's so many great pieces, uh, great cover story, but actually not a great cover story, great cover photograph by a, a wonderful woman called Wheatley Day who lives in Oahu. Uh, I went out and wrote the cover story about, uh, let me pronounce this correctly, Koalau Golf Course, which was uh, 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 the, the dream realised of a Japanese billionaire who owned a, a ton of... Uh, Bowling alleys in in uh, Tokyo uh, and parlayed that money into a, a a billionaire's paradise golf course in, on Oahu, uh, which went bankrupt after a year. Fast forward thirty years, and uh, well, you have to read the magazine to find out what's going on there now. It's a really uh, fun story. Uh, other good stuff in the magazine. Robert, our old friend Robert Lusitich, Robert the Aussie, as we call him, has written a great piece about uh, Australian cricket in the nineteen seventies. And how that relates to live golf. Uh, so uh, the the title of that is uh, Pajama Cricket. Uh, so you should read that. Uh, really great story. Tony Deer, another good friend, has um, to, uh, Tony's written a great piece about uh, his boyhood hero. Very, very famous uh, author, Richard Osman. Do you know much about Richard Osman, uh, Shaq? I don't. Oh, Richard Osman. Uh, Richard Osman is, uh, is the James Patterson of uh, the UK. He uh, oh, writes wow. his, Yeah. Uh, the Thursday Night Murder Club was his first novel. He's a big-time uh, TV host, uh, a really good guy, a complete golf fanatic. Uh, he wrote a column for, uh, turned out, Tony in Tony's piece. It turns out that uh, Richard wrote a, was writing a golf column for Golf uh, Golf Golfers Monthly in the UK at the age of 17. It's quite an oh. achievement. Uh, so that's a really great piece. Remember that great song we uh, by, I think it was Morris, you know, uh, Simon Smith's? Or it might not have been. A, it might have been his solo career. He wrote a great song. We hate it when our friends become successful. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Tony turns out I won't. No spoilers here, but uh, Tony doesn't hate the fact that uh, Richard's become uh, very, very successful. That's a really, uh, a really good piece. Anyway, uh, issue seven of uh, McKellar is uh, almost out. You can get it for pre-order. Uh, please, please buy it. I mean, it really is a labor of love. Uh, none of us are getting uh, rich off this. Uh, the publication, but it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to have in your hands. It wonderful, is. wonderful photographs, great illustrations, uh, and really, really great golf writing by uh, lots of uh, good, good people. It's great to support uh, golf writers. Sorry, Jeff. I... Cup, cup, oh no, a couple of you aren't there. A couple of uh, C. H. Allison pieces uh, related uh, to him as well. Yeah, there are. I, again, that I, I take care of the. Uh, the less cerebral stuff. Ah, <laughs> ah okay. That, that's uh, but there are. Um, so there's some I, architecture, is yeah, my there's, point. Oh, there's yeah. tons for, for yeah, the people. Yeah. Oh, actually, um, before uh, before we leave this, uh, the one piece. This is incredible piece, Jeff. It's called Rockets Over the Wild Farm, and it's about uh, the Royal Hague Golf Club, and mm. uh, it's just an astonishing um, piece by a guy called Stephen Zivin, uh, who. Uh, well, I'm not again. No spoilers, but you got to. It's all involving the war and Nazis and the the rockets that were were launched from the, the site of where the Royal Hague Golf Club is now. Uh, the first uh, V1 bot bomber things of the Nazi rockets were launched from the grounds of this golf course. Wow! Uh, astonishing story. Uh, 
you can read it in the new issue of McKellar. Uh, that's McKellar magazine. Okay, so that's one of the C.H. Allison related right, pieces because okay. I know uh, that place is supposed to be really, really cool golf course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to. I can't read all because we, we've got to go on with the podcast. We have a limited amount of time. McKellarMagazine.com. Please, please, please uh, support. Uh, you get this podcast for free. So you could maybe um, pay back a little bit and 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 get the magazine. You'll really you'll really really enjoy it. And if you have if you haven't heard of it, if you haven't seen a, a Michaela magazine before, have a delve around in the website. Uh, we, I think issues one and two are now sold out, but you can get right. three, four, five, six, and now seven. Uh, I guarantee you, you will uh, enjoy it. Jeff, you've always been a big fan of Michaela. Give me a give them a thirty second sales pitch. Well, I'm a little sad. I'm not in issue seven. I think oh. there's an ad for my book, but it's okay. I've been in every issue. You know, streaks are bound to, to die. I, I got rejected on several of my my ideas, but I'll be able to try to come back with something, uh, you know, that fits the 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 McKellar uh, editor's dream of what the quality writing's all about. But uh, no, it's amazing. I you know you know I love the size. Uh, just just having traveled to Augusta and. I put some things in the, uh, I put a New Yorker in my bag and I had something else. The New Yorker got totally trashed from, uh, and McKellar's just this nice little sturdy, uh, totally readable uh, experience. It's just, uh, you can take on a trip. There are no tacky ads other than the one for my book. And then there are the, uh, it's just, um, you guys do such a nice job curating and finding things that are stories, which are great stories that, that, uh, what's left of the modern magazines uh probably wouldn't touch so it's it's uh congratulations on another another issue i can't wait to uh to read it and you know we're actually getting close to some beach weather here uh and so either i'll read it on the beach or i'll be reading it on the flight to uh the pga championship thanks for that jeff i, I guess we, we couldn't finish this uh, sales pitch section of the podcast without mentioning your book a uh, golf course architecture for normal people did i get that right you got it right. We're almost there. June one release date. Uh, pre-sales have been uh, beyond belief. Uh, amazing. I can't, you know, I, I just can't even believe it. So I'm excited. But I kind of knew that there, there was, there's interest in architecture. I mean, it's, we're not talking uh, James Patterson numbers here, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I still am waiting for a review. I've had a few people read it. And I've done a few pods of people who've read it, but anxiously uh, awaiting any any reviews, of course, uh, because those are always always uh nice to and helpful when you do a book you know how it is you you uh you 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 put it all together but you have no idea what people will think of it so um i'm uh, i'm anxious to see what what folks have to say i wonder do book reviews make a difference to book sales probably know. not anymore no it's yeah. probably an ego thing i think doing interviews on podcasts are are much more uh, helpful than any kind of a book review, uh, except for maybe library sales and some things like that. Uh, but yeah, there's so few bookstores now and it's not like, uh, people read a review and then a, a buyer, uh, scoops them up. So we'll see, uh, 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 what folks say. And, uh, so I thank all who've pre-ordered. That's very kind of you because, uh, it's not always easy to take the plunge like that until you've actually seen the book. And I'm so thrilled with the way it came out too. It just, uh, the, it feels beautiful. So I'm, I'm, I'm always nervous about that and excited about that. Good stuff. How it came uh, out. I did hear you on uh, the course record show. Did we talk about it? anyway, both uh, Roberto Castro 
Uh, that was really good. So uh, if anybody hasn't heard that, uh, go anywhere where you get your podcast, the Coast Record Show, the business of golf. Uh, go listen to Jeff on that. It's really, really good. Here, Jeff, uh, we are speaking on, I think it's Wednesday morning, uh, the um, Hilton Head just passed. Uh, any thoughts on it? I guess the big, the big debate, big argument. There's no argument. There's a, there, there isn't even a debate. There's a consensus that uh, slow play has, uh, we've reached the end of our tether with slow play and um, there's one man to blame and his name is Patrick Cantley. Is that a fair assessment? He, he is taking a lot of heat. Um, and I think it's because he, he pushed back. Um, you know, the masters was, was a, a debacle on Sunday when you, you see the leaders waiting and see the leaders uh, reaching a green while the group in front of them is already on a green on the hole ahead and finishing their putting getting on the tee and watching the people still putting on the green, but it was not just him on Sunday at Augusta there. You, you had some of the slowest players in golf uh, in the last uh, two of the last three groups there with uh, Henley Hovland, Matsuyama, and of course, Cantlay, but no, he's a, he's obnoxiously slow. He's been obnoxiously slow a long time. And uh, it is fascinating. You know, we always have this happen. Uh, every few years where people go, this is getting ridiculous and then nothing ever gets done. I think the difference though, Lawrence, this time is that people realize we've, we've moved to this sort of uh, players running the show kind of thing. And so I think the, the added hostility is because people know the tour uh, is, is so afraid of these guys now and somebody like Cantlay uh, jumping to live, which is really kind of astonishing. I mean, there, there's just nobody turning on, PGA Tour event to watch Patrick Cantlay. There's nobody paying money to watch him play. I mean, it's just he's he's been slow a long time, and um, it's so rude. I mean, you just see what happens when when you're playing with somebody like Fitzpatrick, who's crazy fast, and then Spieth, who's I guess I call normal, um, to sometimes quick. Um, I mean, we know how he kind of bogs down on a shot and analyzes it, but he, he's generally a very respectful player of I mean he's always a very respectful player of his peers in terms of pace so what, what is it, I think that's part of the that's that's the juxtaposition is another thing fueling it and I think when people see that and you see Kepka and Rom standing there looking like their their heads are about to explode I mean I yeah they're just enraged and and you that's when I think it's is visible for people that it's not just a thing that we complain about uh thinking big picture of the product and all that it's just so rude it's yeah. just rude to other people and and that's not something people in golf like to see the uh it's not difficult either fitzpatrick as you say is an incredibly analytic player analytical player but he does all his work while the other guys are hitting his shot what a concept yeah it's I novel mean, it's, isn't it that's just <laughs> uh i guess it's uh I mean, I don't know. Cantley, I mean, I know his background. I know where he's come from. I mean, I mean, what's uh, I also I, I hate to pick on him specifically, but let's just focus on him. Is it a? I guess it's just a generational thing. I mean, the self-absorption of it is is quite astonishing. The idea that uh, that you alone matter. It's uh, it's as you say, it's so rude. It's so selfish. It's actually uh, it's a bit of gamesmanship as well, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're playing, it's what you do in match play, isn't it? If you're playing with a fast player, you slow play him. Or if you're, uh, you know, if you're a slow, if he's a slow player, you you rush, you're rushing up the fairway uh, to yeah. try and just put him out of his rhythm. So it's a part of gamesmanship, I, I, I guess. 
the big issue they get away with it. They're getting away with it, and right. and and, right. and you know, who who's to blame is Patrick is Patrick Cantley to blame for taking advantage of the lax attitudes of rules officials in the PGA Tour, who have, as you say, ceded all most of the power or a lot of power to the players. No, he's not the only one. I mean, there's been so many players through the recent years that have abused it and gotten away with it. I mean, going back to Ben Crane was just just the worst of of the worst. And uh, yeah, they've they've just not wanted to crack down on it. And uh, yeah, I think the other thing that added to the to the element in this case where the fans were were sort yeah. of mocking him, and then in his case, there was so, there's so much backing off um after going through the whole thing and then you got to restart the whole thing and uh, and then you just see the juxtaposition with two players who who are not rude and it it the whole thing looks looks terrible i mean augusta i get it it greens are fast it was windy the wind was shifting i mean it was tough out there but then you watch Kepka and Rom, and they're 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 playing better than those guys in front of them, and they weren't having any any problem. I mean, what was Kepka's thing about Rom? He went to the bathroom seven times, and and uh, then we do still never fell behind. I mean, I watched it on Sunday morning. I went out to go watch the leaders come through. Uh, Amen Corner, which was fantastic. I went up to the top of the grandstand and had binoculars, and it was it was so cool. And uh, I'd never done that before at Augusta, and, and it, wow, what a difference it made! I bought them to to watch how Brooks Kepka took the glove off his hand, and we'll come on to yeah, this, but yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. And, and, but uh, but anyway, but so I walked down there, and Phil's on ten green, and um, I I. I watch him. I'm thinking, should I watch him or because the fifteenth tee, you could get right next to the tee. And uh, I'm like, and there's nobody there. And I see that the Cantley, Adam Scott, and uh, Cam Smith are over on on fourteen green. And uh, I I'm thinking, well, eh, what do I do? So anyway, then I, I watch Phil and then I stand at fifteen tee and 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 so Mickelson's hit a putt. Then Stevie Williams comes off 14 green to go to the bathroom. He's like running. He's catting for Adam Scott. And we're standing there and I'm talking to a few guys who are real nice. And and um they'd watched a video I'd done on like kind of where to spectate. So we were, I was I was telling them it was one guy's first time ever. So we were kind of going through stuff and you know, ways to sort of walk the course. They put their chairs out. Like this conversation is going on and on. And I'm looking, I finally go, What do you think's going on over there at 14? <laughs> it was just <laughs> Can't lay taking forever. And Adam's not crazy fast, but I mean, Stevie Williams left to go to the bathroom. So clearly Adam wasn't needing him. And you just think what on earth was going on? Cameron Smith's not slow. So you, you just knew who it was like, what is going on over there? And uh, just pathetic. I mean, just yeah. So what happens next, Jeff? What do you think? I mean, has, have we reached such a tumult? Uh, are, is no. the PGA Tour at the end of its tip? No, nothing happens. They won't do a thing. No, no, no. Because I mean, look, well, look what happened this year on the West Coast swing. They couldn't. They can't finish rounds. They have a. It's it's literally dysfunctional. The the yeah. the, the, the the tour is dysfunctional. They can't get rounds finished because then, of this, and they they won't do anything about what? it. And I and yes, why, some of it but is. Why not? Why not? Because the players run things now, and they're special, Lawrence. We've never lived in a time with so many wonderful special people, and they're scared to death to. And I mean, it started with Tim Fincham's era. They don't want to give a penalty and have controversy, so that's part of it. Now you add the live component, and it's almost worse than it's ever been in terms of trying to enforce it. So nothing's going to happen. But it, 
but it's damaging the product. Yeah, have a, it is. Have a, essentially a pretty good tournament. Um, a very good tournament, actually, at the weekend. And all anybody's talking about is slow play and Patrick Cantley and yeah, great winner, great sad. playoff. Um, so, but if I'm, great tournament. Mar- if I'm the marketing guy at the PGA Tour, I'm saying, well, hang on a second. This is getting in the way of our message. We have we have to do something about it. It seems uh, very uh, counterintuitive to sit there with you. It's, you know, with your sitting on your hands and doing nothing and letting it continue. I mean, as you made the point earlier, if Patrick Cantley goes to live good, you know what? We'll, yeah. buy you, we'll, we'll get you an Uber. Hang on, the Uber, you know. Yeah. See you later, buddy. Tommy uh, Lasorda would say, we'll send a limousine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, it, it is perplexing. There's no question uh, that they don't want to do anything. And, and I, you know, one other component that, that uh, this is a minor element, I think, but the new changes to baseball and the, the, the pitch clock, uh, it's just, it's just stunning how stunning. much better baseball is with this and yeah there's some problems and there's some questionable things and how it might impact and i still have my concerns that about a possible injury or something because somebody rushes or whatever but anyway overall it's incredible in fact it's almost they've almost gone too far and so you you juxtapose what's going on here with the baseball thing and it's like well yeah the game is still great and it's being played at a pace that's insane again well, again, I, I heard uh, Theo Epstein, who's essentially the former uh, Cubs and Red Sox uh, chief executive, I heard him on Morning Joe, believe it or not, and he was talking about he was in charge of, you know, consulting on the changes and kind of pushing the changes through, right. and you know, great, just essentially fantastic leadership, fantastic executive leadership of an organization making a decision to do something about it, researching what should be done, consulting with everybody, and then saying, okay, everybody's had their input. Here are the changes. Get on with it. Boom. Yeah. Proper, decisive leadership, and everybody benefits. Baseball, which is essentially heading down the pipe, will never, never completely disappear, obviously, but no. heading down the pipes, becoming irrelevant within three months, you know, three or four months uh, through spring training, and now we're into the season, and completely people are talking about it again in a positive way. The one thing I would say, baseball did. Uh, they did try out a lot of things in the minor leagues. Golf doesn't really, yes. uh, yeah. You, so golf can't really do. You can't have. What do you mean? Yeah, well, Champions Tour. You've got the Corn Ferry Tour. I guess you're telling me you can't try some of those things out there. Well, but maybe they should. But that again, my point being the lack of once again the leadership of the PGA Tour, the executive leadership of the PGA Tour is found wanting. It's uh, it's quite astonishing. I don't know how much they're paying uh, Monaghan. Like, do we go on about do we go on about them all the time? I feel that we do, but again, it's such a failure. Um, and as you say, the players are now running amok. Uh, we've talked about it in past issues about you know getting their hands on the ball, but you know for drops and all this nonsense uh, that they're getting away with. Uh, again, I guess the PGA Tour. Look at the TV audience. Actually, we should really come on. The TV audience at the weekend was a. Uh, was stunning. I get it was a speed speed when speed's involved. I guess that always pushes up TV audiences. But uh, any thoughts on why it's proved to be such a popular? Maybe the maybe the PGA Tour is becoming massively popular. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I I think <laughs> it's it's the combination of multiple factors. You have uh, it was a, a good Masters. Uh, you had a good field in Harbor Town uh, with the designated event. So those two things right there create a little 
something extra. Then you put in Spieth, who is definitely one of the, the few people that seems to have a a crossover appeal for, or, or at least sort of a must see TV element to them because there, there is a little bit of Seve and a little bit of Trevino and there, there, there's a, there's an entertainment factor there that, that, that he has that almost nobody else has. Uh, CBS broadcasts are just so much better and, and enjoyable to watch. And they, I thought they handled it. I mean, you know, when Ian Baker Finch is, is making little, little kind of subtle little jabs about the pace, <laughs> he does not like to stir it up and it, you, you just know it's, it's bad. So I think it's just that, that combination of factors, um, that, that is, uh, shows you, it doesn't take a whole lot in terms of just doing some things a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I would think the audience will be horrible this week for the, the Zurich, but, uh, you never know. Uh, maybe, maybe it won't be, but I, it's kind of, now we're in that, that, that we call it May gray here for our, our gloomy weather in Southern California. And it's sort of May gray with, with golf until the PGA. So, but I think uh, the other, by the way, the, the other great thing is that the women will be on a network for the, for the uh, Chevron slash Dyna this week. And they'll kind of have it more, I think the spotlight more than they would have, uh, the week before the masters, the old date. And I, I, I hope they get a nice audience and I hope they get a nice finish and, and a finish on Sunday. I haven't looked at the weather lately, but it was, it was a little, little, little scary uh, early in the week, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, but that, I, I, I'm thrilled to see the women, you know, the first major actually starting this way. I, I just hope the the course and everything else delivers. The, uh, I did see a little note yesterday on Twitter about the pond. There's oh, <laughs> yeah. They put in. I was just reading the uh, Beth Ann Nichols story. They they put in a gator net. What what, <laughs> what what net? What net could possibly be a reassuring when when you see an alligator? I mean, what it is this little dock? You know, so much for everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, but branded, it's got the nice Chevron logo, but uh, with a little swimming pool thing. Like nobody's jumping in that murky lake. That would be a hell of a story. The winner jumps in the pond on Sunday afternoon uh, and gets chased by an alligator. An alligator, be, uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully that that's uh, – I don't think we're going to have that problem. I don't see anybody in their right mind jumping in that thing. Although I guess Nellie Cordes said she would, so. Um, anyway, uh, the uh, what about that golf course at Harbour Town, Jeff? You get any thoughts on that? I always ask you about the golf courses. Uh, my, we, we were there uh, last Christmas, I think. I, um, again, uh, now I went out and played it. He thinks it's the greatest course in the world. I don't know. Is he? It just seems to be a lot of trees. Trees to me, as a layperson, yeah. once I'll get as a layperson, just like a lot of trees, and the trees dictate a lot of the shots that you have to play. I don't know. Maybe I got that wrong. No, that's kind of how I feel about it. I I've never quite grasped why the players love it the way they do uh, because of that. But uh, as you see on the leaderboard, there were some people who, who maybe don't normally uh, like the bomb uh, and gouge type game and that's one of their weeks that they pinpoint and highlight and good for them and uh it's it's got some really great holes but it's got a lot i mean that 15th hole is literally a dome the way the trees still grow kind of hang over and yeah so um but you know the finish is always great there yeah. it seems it's another one of those places that uh, we see every year and it's got an atmosphere because they return every year and it's got a little character a little history and uh, I certainly don't uh, begrudge it anyway. I, I always enjoy watching the finish there. So, um, yeah, I everything was great. I, I'll, the only uh, other thing that was a little sad were the, the, the idiots screaming. Well, there were a lot of mashed potatoes. And then the uh, USA chants against Fitzpatrick were, were really uh, uh, lame. 
would be the word I was yeah. going to go with, but yeah. The, uh, yeah, I was really pleased to see him win and that's really lovely awards. Good story that he used to go there with his family. Pretty, yeah. Obviously, pretty Amazing. well-to-do family, if you, you know, so good, good for them. That's not a criticism, uh, but it's great. And then in the photographs afterwards, it's him, Billy's caddies, mum and dad, and he's, I see he's got a girlfriend now. Which is great because I always kind of worried about uh, Fitzpatrick. He's such a nerd. He just seems like the ultimate golf nerd. But he's well, when you three point two million doesn't hurt your cause when you win well, a tournament. And well, yeah, but no, I mean, he's, he's but I know. I mean, the braces, the golf nerd. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was first to discover she was the runner up in the Miss New Jersey competition. So oh wow. It, rem- wow, it reminded me of an interview a few years ago with Rory. Oh. Somebody said to him. Uh, what would you be if you weren't a golfer? And he said, a virgin. <laughs> That's a good line. It's a really good line. Anyway, congratulations. Did you tell that to Kimmage? Was that, where did that appear? Uh, uh, no, I think you'll find it on YouTube somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, fabulous. Oh, wow. Fabulous oh. line. Uh, good for Rory. Good for Matt Fitzpatrick. I really like him as a player. Um, great putter. Hits the ball great. Actually, swing it was never looked the most uh, orthodox, but it seems to be getting a little bit, little bit more... Uh, orthodox as the years go on uh, congratulations to mike walker who uh, again uh lesson for all you young lads out there and young lads and uh, ladies uh, out there who want to be a professional golfer don't change your coach every week don't don't get involved in fashions and trends and don't try and get a, a lesson with george ganka stick with the coach that you've had uh, since you were a kid and and he'll take you all the way mike walker's done that with matt fitzpatrick you usually find that the the, the lasting players uh, are the ones who it's true no uh, no no you just you just reminded me of i i went down to watch kepka warm up uh and and that the the handoff when he goes from the range tee to then uh oh. pete cowan follows him over to the short game area so he goes from one instructor to the other i didn't yeah. see claude Harmon, but he's got three of them that's why i was laughing and just and then of course you know pete has to watch he's just hitting chips he's hitting freaking chip shots to warm up for a round of the matches but he's got to do the standing behind them the arms folded you know like like there's anything at this point that he can offer him before the before the the final round of the Masters, uh, to to somehow it's but he's got to earn his money and uh, he's got to be there to earn the money. So, it, yeah. But three teachers, three. Well, stick with your uh, again. Stick with your uh, your uh, childhood coach is my well. Advice. Or in Brooks's case, he did bring back Claude, and he yeah. has for some reason some ability to. I don't mean that as a not not. I, he has an ability to communicate to Brooks something that. He wasn't able to do on his own, which he tried to do on his own, and and uh, so yeah. good for him because he yeah. sure played well. The um, we should really move on from. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do a masters a post masters podcast, so I thought a good way uh, we we could revisit uh, stealing something from our favorites, Kara um, and Scott uh, on the Pivot podcast, uh, winners and losers. But just we'll come to that uh, from from Masters Week. But before we go, Jeff, just very very quickly to note. Uh, regular listeners will will be fed up with my rants about uh, world uh, amateur well, here comes golf the talk. No, yeah. no. Uh, but and there's a rival to Wagger. It's called Scratch Players World Amateur Rankings, uh, which was founded in uh, the uh, in the in the noughties, um, 2007 uh, by a guy called Fred Solomon, who lives in, who lived in San Francisco. He sadly died at the weekend uh, from cancer. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so condolences to. Uh, Fred's uh, wife and two daughters. Um, for anyone who wants to know him, it's an amazing story about how he went about it, what um, 
what caused them to set up this system. It was a really wonderful, much more accurate than the RNE and USGA system. Uh, and the wars, the battles that he had with the, the USGA uh, over oh, yeah. the years. Uh, it was a great obituary uh, at golfbible.co.uk, written by Mark, his friend Mark Ailey. Um, anyway, golfbible.co.uk, uh, obituary of Fred Solomon, founder of uh, the Scratch Players World Rankings. Uh, rest in peace, Fred. Uh, you will be sadly missed, as will his rankings, because it looks like... Uh, his this uh, amateur golf is now with uh, it was now without one of its two ranking systems, which is a real mm. shame. Um, everybody's going to have to rely on Wagger, and that is a that's a fool's fool's. Is there any sign that he he set something up to keep it going and keep his hard work going? I mean, I know uh, it's, it, those things are always tough when you. It's a, yeah, it, it was a, diagnosed and all yeah. That. It was essentially a labor of love. He did it in, the, in his yeah. own time, and it's in the, just an extraordinary amount of work. You know, tracking down tournaments from all over the world and right and putting them into a system and oh my goodness it's uh mm. so and for no for zero money it really was uh it was it was for nothing it was he just felt that it was something that amateur golf needed i mean completely selfless i, I didn't realize he was a member of uh, uh of olympic club um there's a very in the in the over there's a beautiful picture of uh of him and uh, uh Mark Ailey at the uh, Walker Cup. Yeah. Uh, LECC. Yeah, really uh anyway, um we'll leave it there. I uh, go and go to uh, go to golfbible.co.uk and you'll find uh, the obituary of Fred Solomon. It's a, a lovely piece, a great tribute by by Mark. So congratulations for that. Here um Masters Week, just heading back to Masters Week, Joff uh, Jeff, Joff. Um mm. uh, winners and losers. Uh we should use this as a reflection on the state of golf in general but obviously in the, the masters week in particular you want to give me your first winner uh really going to go out on a, a major limb here and say john rom uh because i know you're probably gonna say the same but you bastard uh, i know i know picking the winner it's really uh but i think we have to celebrate uh you know it's one of those wins as you think about it i mean i already was thinking about it uh, as were several people and and he 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 answered the question quite quite uh amusingly about getting the wrong side of the draw and you think you know perhaps it was a, a difference uh, really i mean i think he wins that tournament by seven or eight strokes if he's yeah. on the other side of the draw and uh and my gosh to 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 uh open with a four putt and then have four more three putts, which in, at the Masters is such a. I I haven't found the time yet, but I still want to go back and see. I I, I my hunch is since the numbers have been kept, that's the worst uh, or the most number of three putts, which has always been a thing you marvel at at a Masters champion that they somehow survive four days only three putting once or something on those ridiculously hard greens. Yeah. So uh, he put the temper away. Uh, he he had none of the. The nonsense going on, uh, what a concept. And I think he even noted that. Um, he he was very self-aware. You know, you just listen, you read his comments. There's all these brilliant little uh, ways that he imagines. You know, like I asked after the round, I, I had heard on the broadcast that, that he got a lot out of playing with Tiger last year. So I tried to get something more on that and, and he did, and, and also just hear how his approach was to the 12th hole. And he, he gave you, you know, there was just this little thing that's just stuck with me. He said, yeah, I, I was trying to make a hole in one to the third round pin with his final round tee shot. I, you know, I, 
not not just trying to play to the left of the green. He's trying to make a hole in one over there. Like, you know, little stuff like that where his brain, um, he just has a different brain. Uh, it's just that simple. He's got that thing that certain people in the game have had to be very thoughtful, take in a lot of information. But then when it comes time to play, he's able to whittle it down and simplify it and 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 sort of focus drill down if you will and and not get bogged down in i think some weeks he does get bogged down in other stuff but that week because it's a major uh just uh an incredible performance you know 72 percent of the greens hit he drove the ball so well um so yeah to overcome just kind of so-so putting there is is uh is is stunning and then and the draw and everything else that went with it and the the awful weather and the stops and restarts and just uh, so impressive yeah i've got a couple of observations i i agree he was the first name when i i made up my list of a uh, little list of winners and losers yeah we really we really yeah. know how to come yeah. up with the original thoughts yeah. but but a couple of things just what a wonderful uh wonderfully efficient not a particularly uh gracious looking golf swing but my goodness there it, very little can go wrong with a golf swing. Uh, he's yep. a he's a great putter, and he's a, a really good chipper of the golf ball. Um, I didn't fancy again. I simply because I didn't think he had the patience um, to to not survive is the wrong word, but just to get to go through you know four days of the Masters of pressure because I think that's of all the majors that's the one where you really have to be mentally tough and mentally quiet. And I, you know, he is a quite a volatile person, um, but he uh, he managed to rein that in and let his his talent and his. He said something really interesting. He was brilliant on the. I don't know if you saw him on Sunday on his CBS coverage. He was really good. Uh, he spent about twenty minutes in the booth, and I thought it really, really good. Um, Incredible. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. But that, by the way, I'm sorry, I'm I'm off on a tangent again. He does all of this. I thought he was his his entire week with the press at uh, Augusta. Was brilliant, so insightful and interesting, and yeah, you know. And again on Sunday, it's all in his second language, Jeff. I know, it's, I know, it's nuts. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. And he learned it all via via hip hop. I mean, it's just it's crazy. It's, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, the the uh, the thing he said on Sunday was uh, he obviously went straight from the Masters to to Harbour Town, had a pretty respectable finish. I think it was top twenty. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but uh, he was asked on Sunday, well, what are you going to take some time off? He says, yeah, I'm going to take a week off. But knowing me, I'm so obsessed with golf. I'll be chipping tomorrow or something. Yeah. And again, just a guy that absolutely loves golf. Uh, and, you know, if you have you know, aligned the love of the game with that kind of talent and that kind of winner's mentality, this is what you get. Yeah. I guess uh, we should do the millennial take. Now, will he ever lose a major championship again, Jeff? <laughs> Well, I, I will say, uh, yeah, some of those those proclamations early in the year were were rather comical. But but really, the only thing that stopped him was getting sick at the players. Um, but I I would also throw in that that part of the uh, on the winners list was uh, the the West Coast and Florida again gave us pretty much a good sense of whose game was where, other than when he got sick. But we we knew Scheffler was really playing well, but not something was just slightly off and that's how his week kind of ended up. He played very well, great title defense, but it just wasn't quite there. The only one that threw us off was, was Rory. I mean, he wasn't great on uh, early in the year, but he was solid enough and working on some things with equipment and, 
and and the putter and holy cow he just uh completely bombed out so he was kind of the one exception to the um to to the rule and then of course you know uh, Kepka won the week before, but Mickelson's the other, you know, like where on earth did that come from? But that happens at Augusta. People drive down Magnolia Lane and they, something happens and clicks, they find something. So that wasn't a shocker. Of course, he didn't play the West Coast swing either. Uh, should we do a, a loser or should we do a winner from next? I don't know. We haven't really prepared. Uh, well, no, I just like to say, I mean, I, my other main winner is sort of a combo platter if you want to do it or we can i mean i just gave you a loser and rory uh oh well i i want to talk a little bit more about rory very quickly uh okay he, he didn't uh show up for harbortown this week the second of uh his second miss of right. the six designated events that's, and it appears jeff you seem to know a bit more about this than i do having spoken to some people that uh he will forfeit the 25 percent of his uh pit bonus from last year three million dollars that's uh, that's a lot of money, even for the CEO of Symphony Ventures. <laughs> it is, it is. But he's uh, obviously the Drive Shack uh, losses have not uh, really faced him a whole lot. But uh, I think the, yeah, I'm I'm more troubled that he's been so quiet. Uh, I'm kind of starting to get concerned. Is there something else? An injury? It's not. It's not like him or his agent uh, to to not. Um, what's the the proper way to put this? I don't, I don't want to say mock Community. it up because he just decided not to play, but, but to, to manage the public relations side of this, which is to simply issue a statement saying, Hey, I was very disappointed with the way the masters went. I worked really hard to get ready. Uh, and I need a reset. Uh, Rochester means a lot to me and my wife. Uh, you know, I'm a member at Oak Hill and I need to get reset for that. And I guess he doesn't want to, diss the tour or the designated event concept but just yeah it's not his style to to to, to kind of spin this this way this way or not spin it he should just say what what happened and people trust his uh his his honesty and uh and he, they feel he's genuine so it's really bizarre that he's just gone quiet and uh i don't know i don't know what's going on there uh, do, do you think the pga tour will actually follow through on this that's a it was interesting during the it came out during the, uh, the European Tour live uh, arbitration hearing that the maximum fine imposed by the European Tour and the history of the European <laughs> Tour was was twelve thousand pounds or twelve thousand euros yeah. or whatever it was uh, three million dollars are they really going to take you know, to deprive them of three million dollars Yes, I mean that's the pit money. Um, I think that they have to 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 show even though next year this won't be the case because they will be um not mandatory but uh i think that yeah that this is this is sort of free money anyway the the pip money so i just don't think it's uh i don't know if it's as big a deal to people i i rory's done very well for himself lawrence this is not uh this is not going to be uh, a a big blow to him i mean so he he's about the majors. He doesn't really want to come out and say that apparently, because that's all he has to say is, you know, my year really revolves around the majors now. And, uh, I, I messed up the first one, but the next one is at a place that's really, really dear to me and my, my wife. And I'm going to be as ready as I can be. I guess he doesn't want to say that. I don't know. I hope that, I hope that's all it is. I hope it's just that. I hope there's not a, an, an injury or, or, uh, uh, real serious, uh, you know, depression over this, which I don't think is the case. The uh, I thought it was interesting that a few of the players really uh, jumped on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chef uh, Shoffley was one. 
Um, I think even Justin Thomas had something to say. Um, yeah, and then a, uh, there was one quote that got misattributed to, I think, some people got, I mean, that's how this click world works now with crappy, uh, with cuts and everything. But I saw that Sh- Shoffley got, Shoffley's quote got credited to Scheffler, oh and I guess goodness. they can't they can't keep the two straight. Because I spent, I had spent way more time trying to pin down who said, you know, uh, I'm wondering if there's more to this, uh, that quote, which was interesting. So, um, but, but said, I think that one was said more sympathetically, not critically yeah. but there were some suggestions that it wasn't a a great uh a great look and i think it would have been fine if he just issued a statement so I, it's just strange uh it's really t- hard for mackerel i was asked to go on irish radio a couple of couple of times last weekend you know people are they kind of pull for mackerel but not just people in ireland but people everywhere really pull for mackerel and they seem to get very very annoyed with them when he doesn't kind of meet their expectations i don't think there's anybody else in the the modern golf world who who's under that kind of scrutiny and that kind of pressure so uh it, it must be hard for him and maybe he just just did need a reset clear his head put the clubs away for a week uh hopefully he comes back soon and comes back um playing like the rory uh sort of like a fireball here fanboy but uh, hopefully he comes back and he's, he plays plays well here I, my winner um well, it's a qualified winner jeff fred ridley um, i thought he was a winner i thought his uh press conference on the Wednesday of, of Masters Week, the usual state of the Masters, which has been over the years a bit of a a battlefield, a bit of yeah. a disaster. I mean, I go back to actually it allows me to tell a quick story. Uh the go back to Oh, the, I was uh, there. <laughs> the year that Steve Elling and uh, And you and me I got into it with Billy Payne. Well that means Billy Payne couldn't do anything about the Guardian, but uh Poor Steve Elling was working for CBS dot uh, com or whatever it's called at the time, and I can't you know nobody can say for certain. But lo and behold, one year later, Steve is working for a newspaper in Abu Dhabi, uh, the only yeah. place he could get a job. So, um, but that uh, but I thought Fred Ridley, um, who is not naturally dr- drawn to to golf characters like Fred Ridley, but I thought he handled it really really well. Lots of really good stuff, uh, especially actually you could speak to this. Uh, his announcement about um, reviving the uh, the patch, the Augusta Muni Golf Course, um, which uh, is for those of us who've covered the Masters and visited Augusta over the years, is a a bit of a pilgrimage. Uh, it's always actually the golf course has always been really shitty. Actually, Jeff, um, <laughs> terrible condition, and yeah. the clubhouse has been desultory, desultory. I don't know whatever the pronunciation is. Really, a sad kind of place. Um, yeah. But I think it was somebody went down uh, afterwards after Ridley had made down. Yeah, Joel Beale. Yeah, went down. Good bit of journalism, actually. Good thinking. Went down and discovered that the people there had uh, had. This is the first they'd heard of it. Um, and you know what? I'm not sure that they needed to, to be the people to hear. I guess uh, Fred Ridley cleared all with Augusta, the council in Augusta, and so I'm sure that was all squared away. The point being, there was it was trying to taint the whole idea, but I think it's a wonderful thing. I thought it showed that Augusta has got its, you know, its priorities sorted. Hopefully, that will be the first of many, and it sets an example to other golfing. I mean, I know the RNA is doing a municipal facility in Glasgow. Uh, let's hope the USGA will do some stuff. And again, the Augusta's got so much money; they might do other revive other great golf courses. Maybe they could come to San Francisco. And 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 get get started on your pet project, the reviving Sharp Park. 
I, I thought that was wonderful. I thought he had great things to say on the ball. It made it clear that he was a. Uh, uh, that the Augusta National was was going to continue its support of the governing bodies, so that's three votes to two. So I expect we'll see the golf ball roll back in some form sometime in the, the not too distant future. Uh, and just generally, I thought it was uh, again somebody that I could appreciate in golf and and respect. So um, that's my winner of the week, Fred Ridley. I don't know if you've yeah, anything. no, he was he was on my list as well. He had a great press conference, even though he had. He had trouble hearing, but that's a problem of the room, not not his hearing. Even though he took uh, the blame for it, uh, and maybe a few writers who who could ask a question by not going, blah, 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 blah. yeah, they could actually speak into the microphone. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, the only thing I'd say on the on the Muni um, revitalization concept, I just hope that the the folks at Augusta National, you know, remember what an affordable green fee means, and that. You know, I hope this there isn't a lot too much sub air put in under the greens. And <laughs> I don't think that's going to be happening. <laughs> we keep we, you know, that there's some perspective because, well, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we have this project that's associated with the U.S. Open here in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, it's a 12 acre par three course, and they're talking 15 million dollars. And so I don't, you know, the 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 thing that we've seen that's important is is not a a, a massive perfect. Uh, overhaul of a facility with the with the proper clubhouse with air conditioning. It's it's just a revitalization that's enough to you know to freshen the course to and what what's interesting about this component is there's a job training element with maintenance, um and and so that's something that's often missing in these things and and you know the Beth Page success story is a success not because of of the architectural. Uh, work that Reese Jones did. It's the fact that they kept it going, and it's to this day the place is well maintained. And it's just—I mean, it's just people tell you it's a—it's a factory. It's just packed, and it's doing great. And um, the USGA, uh, I think, has missed over the years not understanding this—that this is where they could really shine as an organization, showing off the green section and and knowing how to help with pace of play and different things. So well, that's all I have to say is just I hope they maintain some perspective. And uh, I think it was a something that came together fairly late, but it was fascinating that he threw in the comment about we hope to take this on the road. So he's obviously noticed that other projects like this have been fantastic. And I think in the new McKellar, you have a, a piece from Brian Wacker on uh, Langston and the caddy yeah. program, you know, all these things that are taking existing places and and revitalizing them is so much better than all this, you know, the stuff trying to start things from scratch or that are built around ad campaigns and optics more than the just basic substance of, of giving a place uh, a refresh and then the, and the, the resources to keep it going. And that's, so we'll see how that goes. And then, yeah, the ball thing just quickly was, so he, he gave his statement and I'm sitting there going, well, that was, soft i've been kind of told by some members i'll oh, be ready you're gonna like it and it's like well but then of course first question he just basically caved to gary williams i think it was wow you kind of know my view over the years and yeah we'll we'll probably support it yeah like he backed down immediately because i was i was thinking well, what can i ask to make him crack so i had a question i was ready to go with that 
uh, you know, in the master plan for the patch, will you be accounting for the model local rule in terms of adding T's or not? And I think, and I'm glad I didn't have to because the humor might have been lost with the hearing in the room, or maybe it's not that funny, but it would have been a way to try to get him to, but then he just revealed, I mean, the first follow-up he got on it, he just basically caved and said, yeah, we're going to do whatever they, they, they decide to do. So I don't know why he, he even bothered to try to, uh, yeah, with the old, uh, we're going to respect the comment period, uh, stuff. Yeah. That, that didn't last. So no, he had a really good, uh, uh, session there with us. And, and, um, you know, here's the thing I would say, Lawrence, more importantly, when you go there, the, the, the mood is different. It's still the masters. It's still, they do their things their way. And it's, it can be a little uptight to some people or this or that. Um, and I love a lot of that stuff, as you know, but what I do like is that uh, the group of people that are involved running the tournament who are members are lovely to deal with that. You don't get those kind of, um, crusty old characters you used to get there who were just kind of, kind of, kind of nasty, really, <laughs> you know, just kind of it's Cliff Roberts adjacent types. And, uh, and I, he's setting a tone there. That's just different. And uh, it's not what I expected when he got the job. I I thought really? I was a little worried he was going to be pretty uptight, and it's the opposite. He's uh, he he's found that place of sort of loosening up without loosening up the standards and the traditions and the things that make the place uh, great. And he's become a, a fantastic spokesman for kind of both sides of what the Masters was and what it also kind of hopes to be going forward, which is a little more. Um, a little more giving back um, and a little more of uh, taking responsibility for their place in the game uh, or, or, or at least it, uh, owning that and, and uh, realizing that they set an example and there are certain things they, they, they can, um, they can really lead the sport on. And that's, uh, that's exciting. A very good point about the, the amount of money spent. I think back to Harding Park. You made the point to me a few years back. I think they spent oh, 20, 26 20, million. I thought it was 28 or well, 26 million. Well, it may have been more. Yeah. But, well, but that was, yeah, it's yeah. a lot for what it's, they got. And, you know, you, if you have that, you could do, do two. <laughs> you know, or if you quarter yeah. it, you could do four. I mean, what would it right. take to revive a place like the patch? Just off the top of your head, what do you think? Well, if you're not, I mean, it's, you know, USGA greens and new, I mean, new irrigation systems have gotten so expensive right yeah. now. So yeah, it's, you're probably looking at, at six to 7 million if you do it uh, with a new irrigation system and there's some clubhouse work, hopefully, you know, not a new building, but just, you know, re replenishing it and all that. The problem is you open the walls, the clubhouses are always the killers on these things. Yeah. Um, but then I don't, you know, I don't know what their golf maintenance yard looks like and their equipment. Uh, so, and they're, they're adding this training component. So I'm going to guess it's going to be a $10 million project by the time they're done. Um, but that's still, you know, but that's a place that's severely run down and really has every element of it needs serious, uh, yeah. work. So maybe they'll donate some things left over from their, their projects, some sod, some, I mean, they've got everything there. I mean, they were resodding the back of the tees on Wednesday afternoon, uh, where the guys have been hitting the divots. I mean, they, they don't spare any expense at Augusta. Yeah. Uh, breaking news on the podcast. Yeah. If I got, uh, just got a text from somebody uh -oh. while you were speaking, uh, who might be in a position to know a little bit about McElroy. Here's the text. Uh, nothing untoward, of course, I'm told. Um, 
shades of 2011 and congressional. It sounds yeah. like he just needed a total reset and decided to take the three million dollar hit. Yeah, so and disappear. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, I'm sure that is it. I just, but still, issue a statement. Um, quick, quick, quick little statement would would uh, not kill him. Right, we're we're running up against time here. I know you've, you've got one. Uh, we've got one more winner, one more loser. I just I'm going to claim the loser, um, which is uh, uh, all those people who uh, res- whose response to the Brooks Kepka incident, uh, the Brooks Kepka Gary Woodwin caddy incident, uh, uh, that happens all the time. Well, uh, oh, shoplifting happens all the brutal. time. So as I say, shoplifting happens all the time, and uh, it's no excuse when you get caught to say that. Well. You know, I, I shouldn't get uh, taken to court or fined or charged uh, because it happens all the time. What an abs- It's just been driving me crazy. Our our former guest and still pal, Craig Conley, Martin Kamer's caddy, was at the forefront of this movement. It does happen all the time. I mean, I caddied briefly on the tour for a, a, a few years ago and I, looking at everybody's other players' bags all the time. Oh, that's the wait, wait, wait. Looking in the bag is a totally different thing. Of course. Than offering information, totally uh, different thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, he essentially he broke the rules, uh, and I don't know what he said. Obviously, no one will know what him and Woodland and the caddy said to the uh, rules officials afterwards. But uh, it can't have been, you know, they obviously didn't fess up, uh, so they got away with it. Absolutely outrageous! What if Kepka had won by a shot? Uh, forever, forever tainted. Um, although in saying that, I guess uh, you look at Arnold Palmer back in the day, and uh, I don't think Ken Venturi was was it Venturi that lost out that day? Um, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that was just outrageous. I was I really I was I was so happy on Sunday morning when Ram started to make his move. Um, yeah, because I don't think I could have. I certainly wouldn't have watched the end of it if Kepka had run away with it. I thought it was outrageous and equally outrageous. And I still get in tweets and texts and DMs or whatever from people saying, "Shut up!" It happens all the time. It was uh, bad luck on them. They got <sighs> caught. Bad luck on them. They got caught, Jeff. But that's them's the breaks. Uh, take your two shot penalty and respect your fellow competitors and and respect your uh, respect the game. I wonder what other what the other I mean no one knows maybe you do wonder what the other pros thought thought of it uh, when 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 it happened um I get I guess I may have thought there there go I but for the grace of god we just don't get any access to players in a way that's uh you know where it's a quiet conversation unless you run into somebody walking somewhere and they there just aren't many places like that either so uh I I have not heard a single thing about what other players thought but i was fascinated how many people that because you just have a i have a lot of conversations there maybe it's me but uh uh and and the patrons the people there were wanting to know about it and thought it was bs and and you know and then i go back to the press center and it's and then and you read the transcript and it's like it's about time to get rid of this rule as somebody asked asked uh gary woodland I'm like you gotta be kidding me this is what went on out there i mean i was the one who asked uh kepka on uh oh geez whatever day it was friday and uh that was when he revealed he'd been in, brought in after the round for another review which we didn't know he said it like we knew i didn't know but that was on his his five finger flash which and to follow up on that so when i was had the binoculars of course i watched how he took the glove off and sure enough he did it just like people have done it for uh, well, as long as there've been golf clubs, he, all the fingers are together, Lawrence. They're they're closely together, and with one pull, 
you basically get the glove off. You don't spread your fingers out and do one at a time like um, like a mean, surgeon, you know. Uh, he didn't splay his hand out holding all five fingers no, to the floor. No, only yeah. did that once, uh, and that was when it happened to be that he hit a five iron, and, and then and then Ricky piling on with the two uh, the two blurting out of fives, which I would imagine. Uh, I mean, it just you know the problem is what else? Why why was that happening? Was there another well, moment where? Yeah, of yeah, course. So. But it happens all the time. But again, I don't think so. And that's the other thing. I don't understand this. I see people all the time look in the bag. I watch Tiger do it. That's part of the game is looking in the bag. I, I have I have never seen uh, something like that at a tour event where it's so blatant where a guy is helping somebody else out. Never. Yeah. So this happens all the time thing is. But, you know, we got the same thing with backstopping, same thing. It's all this sort of bro you scratch my back, I scratch yours, and we all, it all ends up okay at the end of the day. And and maybe this is live in the live world. This is what they do now. Oh. And that's big because it's odd is that Kepka's always been a little bit of a stickler with, with this stuff. He's given interviews and he's kind of got a no tolerance of cheating well, he- thing. And so that's what made it even more confounding. Well, I guess the mindset is that this is no longer considered to be breaking the rules. Yeah, can, yeah. Can and you can you imagine what's going out on going on? And uh, it must be a free for all out and left. Goodness knows what's going on. Yeah, because well, yeah. And this is the problem: is is these guys want to tell us we all play the same game? Don't take my distance away. We all should play the same rules. And then we keep finding out they do all these. They have all these little unwritten rules that they play a different game. They play different equipment. It's like give us, give it a give it a rest guys you're not you're not good at this you're not good at being consistent (laughs) and understanding uh your your hypocrisies really so yeah and we will finish with a positive uh, let's finish with a winner yeah well no screw that we've already well i have have a winner and a loser the other winner was i would say the fans um who yeah once again uh, masters.com the multiple streams um i mean the one bogey was cbs not showing the golf live on um on saturday and and banking all that stuff and that was a huge miss by them big screw up and and then and then compounded by the masters not putting the making the leaders a featured group so if somebody did want to watch live um they really had to put together like the the my group feature which has no announcing and is really you know has really for friends and family or gamblers but so <laughs> the um that was a huge debacle but the streams uh the amen corner uh you know i mean i was on the course a decent amount but every time i came in and watch and listen it's just so great and so they just they're adding stuff to youtube i've got some some stuff going to my thursday newsletter uh just little stuff like they've got an hour long of the master's theme just co- playing on a loop to all this un- like they just said oh, you know what we got all this great drone footage and stuff just dump it in that and it's just it's just fantastic to what it's mesmerizing and um, so stuff like they're just constantly improving that part of the experience um and then my my other loser uh or the players whining about the 13th hole, which already is uh, in normal weather, totally relevant and uh, barely uh, any difference was noticed because as Fred Ridley predicted, they'd be hitting driver and Dottie predicted many people predicted. So they, they went from three wood to driver, a lot of guys. And uh, when the weather was good on Thursday uh, with, you know, several guys in the field who, aren't even relevant on the champions tour anymore. Uh, 64% of the guys went for the green 
um, 43% in round two, and it started started raining. Round three was 15% when it got cold. And then the final round was 50%. It was still kind of cool, and and the wind wasn't as helpful and, and all this other stuff. So the once again, the players uh, declared the end of the world, and uh, they were dead wrong. They do that every major. It's going to be the hardest course we've ever played, and then in 15 under wins. And, you know, so um, – the bad news is the tee's already relevant, and you know Tiger early in the week said this was kind of like the Hootie era changes, where it'll take a few years for it to really be relevant again. And sure enough, it um, it already is. So even more reason for Fred to support uh, the rollback. And as I wrote in a piece of my newsletter, uh, maybe it's time. You know, from what I heard from people on the ground, it was a lot of yeah, you know, screw the manufacturers, all their whining. Go for the driver too. They're you know if we're gonna do this, do it right. Uh, I was very heartened to hear that. I wasn't he, expecting that. I, did, was it? Did they get an, an, an extra twenty-five million dollars of excitement on the thirteenth? That's my only uh, observation, Jeff. I wonder if. Uh... Well, this year was just so screwy with the uh, the weather, and then the 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 just the you know the at that point in the round. Uh, no, they. But that wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't have to happen this year. It would have been nice. But I think the main thing is you saw. You saw longer shots in and uh, some 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 real decisions to be made. Ironically, some of the best drives, the, the, the people followed up with some of the worst second shots. So I don't know what to make of that. But um, uh, the side hill stance was a thing, but it wasn't the thing that, of course, the like Dustin Johnson, oh, lay up every time. <laughs> yeah, and what he do? He's going for it every time with him. Yeah, give me a break. So I wonder why they say that stuff. Nonsense. Anyway, I, you know, what... they're just in this. They're they've got this mindset right now, and I think some of it's a little bit of fatigue. Some of it's uh, the, the the atmosphere at the moment. Some of it's the people around them telling them, you know, how how much everybody's after them. You know how it is. They, they get these teams that that say I'm the only one that's on your side. Everybody's out to get you. So they've got this, this natural reaction to everything is, is uh, it's this grievance. You're coming to get us thing. And um, it's not really true unless it's, you're talking about Patrick Cantlay's pace of play. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, Jeff. What a great, a really great. I really enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully there's a few people still left listening to us. Uh, that is uh, the any other business, Jeff? Or are we done? No, I think that's we yet? covered it, and uh, yeah. now it's time to reset. We got uh, the PGA coming, and then I'm I'm obviously getting we're getting closer to the U.S. Open here. We've got the women uh, in, in the uh, Chevron. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to say one thing uh, yeah. on that. I, uh, Rose Zhang not playing the Chevron to play for Stanford in the Pac-12 championships. I think that is oh, cool. phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. she, yeah, it just, uh, anyway, compared to a few years ago when we had players uh, uh, skipping the ANWA to play the ANA because when it was in the desert, because that's where my future is, blah, blah, blah. And here she has this great future and, and she knows it and she's going to be there with her teammates in the Pac-12s. That's to me just tremendous. I know she was leading after the uh, first, uh, first two days, Jeff. I'm just looking here. It's the final day. Player leaderboard, Rose Zhang, still remains at the top. She is level par after four. Here we go. That'll be out of date by the time this comes out later. And I hope day. she I hope she stays uh I hope she stays in school because I think yeah, yeah, I'm serious. She oh she's sure, having a, yeah. She's having a great time at Stanford. She really did not play well at all at Augusta National. <laughs> and I mean it's a tribute to a great player to to hang on to win. 
but she still has some more development to do. She's got an NIL. Uh, she's got deals. Stay at Stanford. Enjoy this time in your life. Get better at the game. The LPGA Tour will be there. I I hope that she sets an example that this NIL money should make people want to stick around. Oh, and that's another winner, by the way, that I think Fred Ridley is trying to do his part to encourage people to stay at school a little longer with that exemption. I don't think it'll work, but I love <laughs> that he's trying it. It's worth a shot. Yeah. With uh, the uh, NCAA champion exemptions. Yeah, that was a that's a great thing. That's, oh my goodness, kids will be talking about that. They'll get back oh, to school in August and they'll be... Oh, can you? I cannot wait. The I think the NCA, uh, the I think championship. It was in May. Uh, it's at Grey Gre- Yeah, it's a long time in, yeah. to re- to remain. In, but yeah. if you're not a senior, it's it's a pretty cool little bit of incentive. So oh, I hope. Totally. I, yeah. So I thought that was welcomed, and I I was glad that I knew when Gordon Sargent got that spot that that it was a very good chance this is where the club was going to go with it, and uh, and sure enough, uh, that was the case. So good for them. Yeah. Okay. We'll try try something to make people want to not turn pro and and rush into things. I think it's uh, I think it's admirable. Well, hopefully, uh, Fred's listening to the podcast, Jeff. I reckon our memberships are in the post uh, after this uh, love fest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. 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 Okay. All the best. <laughs> I'll uh, all the best, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lawrence.